0: Welcome to Thrive HR, a podcast by Thrive Pass. In this show, we sit down with industry leaders to explore the world of HR and everything it has to offer. I'm your host, Andrea Steptola.
1: What we're seeing is candidates prioritizing even more heavily things like working for a company where they feel valued, where they feel a sense of belonging, where they feel a strong sense of trust and care and respect, and where they can have full lives outside of work. Welcome to Thrive HR. Andreas is joined by Annalise Brown, VP of People and Culture at Campminder. Fostering a world class culture is at the heart of what Campminder does, and Annalise speaks to the crucial roles that core values and inclusivity play.
0: Good morning, Annalise, and welcome to the show.
1: Good morning. Thanks so much for having me.
0: So tell us a little bit about your background, your career journey, and specifically your current role at Campminder.
1: Yes. Well, I have been in the people and culture space for over 10 years now, and my background includes recruiting as well as all aspects of people operations and culture and leadership, generally speaking. So my role at Campminder is VP of people and culture And that means that I oversee everything related to our team, making sure that we are hiring the right people, keeping them engaged, making sure that the culture and the environment is a place where great people want to work
0: and and campminder as a company started i think in boulder colorado you you might now so the pandemic have employees like across the united states and you might get there but tell us a little bit more about campminder as a company right what what is the, the mission of the company what problems in the market are you solving
1: yeah yes and campminder was founded in 2001 by dan konigsberg and the company's mission is really to help camps succeed by helping them automate the administrative and logistical aspects of running camp. So we serve camp owners, camp operators, camp staff, and we help them simplify and automate those tasks so that they can spend more time on the experiential and transformational aspects of camp. So we really like to think of it as enabling more camp experiences for more campers and more family members. I'm
0: sure the entire concept of of camps have been shifted quite a bit during the pandemic, right? So maybe outline to us what were some of the main challenges to the pandemic and what kind of changes in the industry have you seen now as more recent development?
1: Yeah, well, you're absolutely right, Andreas. And in fact, that first summer of the pandemic, many, if not most camps were unable to operate because the safety concerns and logistical concerns were just too overwhelming for them to even be able to run camp. So many camps were unable to operate that summer. The following summer, camps had started to figure out how to run camp safely, how to implement the right precautions, the right safety measures, how to communicate with parents and how to do what they needed to do to run a, a safe and healthy camp. And what we're really seeing, which is quite interesting, is that the demand for camp is higher than ever. Mm-hmm. So as you might imagine, all these kids, You know, having been at home and having to do school online, families and parents are really investing in camp experiences to help kids connect with other kids in person, help them have those experiential aspects that they, you know, weren't getting when they were stuck on a computer doing school online. So really the pandemic has impacted the camp industry quite a bit, first to sort of Dampen its ability to to run, but now it's come back in a really really big way because more more kids and more families are investing in camp than ever.
0: Yeah, I mean, from a personal perspective, we have two small kids, and it totally resonates with what you're outlining. Right, certainly not an easy time for for many families, and and great to see that now you're seeing the traction again and, and 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 folks are hungry for that interaction. So let's maybe sh- shift a little bit here and and talk more about one of the, the topics that you're most passionate about as, as an HR leader, culture, right? And I want to start off with just like a very basic, how do you define culture at Camp Minder?
1: Yeah, well, we think of culture as how we work and so the how we work is is sort of the behaviors and the way those behaviors manifest at least at camp minor is through our core values so we really look at culture as being driven by our core values those are the behaviors that guide the way we work with each other that guide the way we work with our clients that guide the decisions that we make so when we, when we talk about being a culture fit, we really are talking about being a values fit. And in fact, we've shifted our language to use the language of values fit over culture fit just to be more precise in that definition.
0: And if you think about the, the values, right, maybe let's start off with like, how do, you, how do you ensure that the right players get on the bus, right? So in the recruiting process, in the hiring process, yeah, how do you determine, hey, this candidate is actually a really good
1: fit from, from the values perspective? Yeah, well, we actually have created behavioral interview questions specifically focused around each of our core values. So you could take one of our core values of own it, for example, which is driving for results with passion, grit, Mm -hmm. and determination. And we have come up with questions to say, hey, can you tell us about a time that you had to drive for results with passion, grit, and determination? Can you tell us about a time that you faced a challenge and you persevered through it? So we really intentionally ask those questions throughout the interview process and in different ways. At the same time, we want to acknowledge and allow for the fact that those values can show up differently and depending on folks' background and cultural context and what they've experienced in their career, there might be different ways that someone has owned it. So there's not necessarily one right or wrong answer to the question, but it's really looking at is this something that they're committed to? Is this something that they've demonstrated in the past and that they will bring to and enrich our culture at CamMinder?
0: So it seems like the it's a core part of the interviewing process, very deliberate with, with, with certain questions and whatnot. And I know through the HR community seems to be kind of split on that, or there might be a lot of different perspectives, personality tests. Are you conducting personality tests as part of the interview process or more on an ongoing basis? What's your view on that?
1: We don't conduct personality tests as part of the interview process. Where I have seen personality tests be most effective is post-interview, when someone has already joined the team, as a tool for self-discovery, as a tool for people to learn about, their strengths and maybe their areas of opportunity and as a tool for the people around them to better understand them as as people, as coworkers, how to interact with them and how to communicate with them. So I view them as a really powerful tool however i don't believe that they necessarily need to inform a hiring decision because i don't believe that there is you know only one right personality for a certain kind of role i view it more as after you're on our team after you're hired let's look at how we can help you learn about yourself and how we can help your coworkers learn about you so that you can be as successful as possible
0: yeah that, that resonates to me it's five past use personality test in a, in a- similar way, right? Once you're hired, oftentimes that like your team events or whatnot, the team can do it. And it's it's totally as you, as you outlined uh, an interesting inflection point, right? Self discovery, but then also team members talk about each other's communication preferences and whatnot. It can certainly be quite powerful in that, in that regard. So, so your point about the core values, we kind of covered now how you're using the hiring process. Once somebody's hired and you do performance reviews, are the core values, and the alignment there part of that as well? And if so, how do you, How do you execute that?
1: Yes, absolutely. That's a great point. So, I really believe that for values to be real, they have to be woven into all of your people processes. And of course, that includes performance reviews. So, we do in our performance reviews, which we call check-ins it's really more of a check-in conversation and a dialogue but we do incorporate the core values explicitly and we ask people to share examples of how they may have embodied a core value in particular over the past quarter and to reflect on that And then we also asked, so that's in the self-review. And then we also asked people's managers to reflect on the same thing. And so it's more of a discussion. It's more of an opportunity to highlight a particularly powerful example because we know folks are embodying these core values day in and day out. So it's not about listing every single time, but it's saying, Here's an opportunity to really think of what are the most powerful ways that you might have embodied our core values this past quarter and what was the impact of that?
0: And to dig a little bit deeper, you, you mentioned these are called check-ins now, right? What What's what's the cadence or the frequency of the check-ins? And then maybe as a, as a follow-up question, I'm sure you have over the years also seen instances where there was an alignment, right? Kind of like the, the negative side of it. Outline to us, how that is then handled and and what you've seen
1: yeah well to answer your first question we do these check-ins on a quarterly basis and as i mentioned it's really more of a conversation or a dialogue we do have folks document some of the key points but the power really comes in having the conversation and in sharing the feedback and receiving the feedback and making sure that people have the feedback and the visibility that they need to learn and grow and improve. And then, as far as what happens when there's misalignment, that's a great question. I think one of the benefits of being such a core values driven company and culture is that it has tended to attract people who are really genuinely aligned with the core values. And in the interview process, as we talked about earlier, we're very explicit about that being a sort of necessary you know these being necessary qualities to be successful at camp minder and we tell people outright if this doesn't sound like you or what you're about then that is totally okay but then camp minder is not the place for you so we're very upfront about that we're very honest about that and as a result we fortunately don't tend to experience many instances of that misalignment but of course it has happened in the past and when that happens what is important is just to have honest conversations about that and to share feedback with the person that's really specific and really look you know saying in this instance what it would have looked like to embody this value is then what you know, we would have wanted to see is this, and here's what we saw. And so going forward in these kinds of situations, we would expect to see fill in the blank, you know, whatever the desired value is and just being specific with people so that they have that information. They know how they can be successful. Oftentimes it is coachable and maybe it comes down to a misunderstanding of the value or, you know, not recognizing that, this was a situation where that value could have been embodied. And so we do the coaching and see if it can improve. And sometimes it does. And sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. And when it doesn't, you know, because we've been having these honest conversations it becomes very clear to both parties. And there's there's really no surprise, ultimately, if if it ends up meaning that we need to part with.
0: So I really seeing it as a way to coach people, I think that that's a great perspective. And then, yeah, as, as you outlined, being specific and outlining what the expectations might have been. So thanks thanks for that feedback. You know, we talked about culture and core values. The other third kind of buzzword that everybody's using in the industry right now is engagement, right? So I'd love to hear from your perspective, how do you see engagement? What does it mean to you? How is that viewed at Campminder? And is that measured in, in any way?
1: Yeah, great question. And I think you're right. Engagement is so important. And sometimes you hear it used interchangeably with happiness or satisfaction, but it's really something different. And when I think about engagement, I think about someone's level of personal connection to and commitment to their role and to their work. And so it's how personally invested someone feels in their work and there's all kinds of benefits to engagement of course you know people who are engaged are happier at work are more satisfied at work produce better work produce better higher quality outcomes all of these things and so it's hugely important and we do measure it we use a tool called office vibe and there's you know many tools out there office vibe is one of these tools and it is a weekly pulse survey that pings folks with a few questions each week. Very, you know, simple questions, and it measures certain factors that contribute to engagement. So things like someone's relationship with their manager, relationship with their coworkers, how aligned they feel with the company's vision and values, how satisfied they are with things like their work environment, their compensation, their benefits. All of these things so it gives us a holistic picture of engagement but it also allows us to drill into these kind of sub factors or sub metrics that impact engagement
0: and i assume this data is then used for you the leadership team to yeah, draw conclusions and, and drive the strategy forward in terms of like what do we have to do maybe tangentially aligned with that like you know you and i we talked previously about The expectations now of employers have changed, right? You know, over the last couple of ways and they are looking for different things from their employer now, right? What have you seen in the market and specifically then how has Campminder reacted to some of those changing expectations?
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think the events of the past few years, not only the pandemic, but what we've seen in terms of the racial reckoning in this country, all of the chaotic and destabilizing events in the world and certainly nationally has caused people to reflect on what is truly important to them and therefore what are they looking for in an employer? And so what we're seeing is candidates prioritizing even more heavily things like working for a company where they feel valued, where they feel a sense of belonging, where they feel a strong sense of trust and care and respect and where they can have full lives outside of work. Because I think one impact of the pandemic is that it caused people to reflect on the importance of relationships and community and connection. And so people are really looking at their lives outside of work and investing in their lives outside of work, relationships, family, friendships, experiences outside of work. And so what they want from an employer is, a place where yes they can feel engaged and love their work and love what they do but also can feel engaged in their lives outside of work. And so the you know we're hearing about this great resignation and we're hearing about the dynamics of the tech talent shortage and inflation and all of these things but the number one driver of attrition right now is actually not salary or career growth but it is people leaving toxic work cultures and leaving for better work life balance and cultures where they feel trusted and respected and valued. And so it's actually good news for companies that have all along prioritized creating those kinds of cultures because I think that we have even more appeal now in the ways that candidates priorities have shifted. I do think though on the flexibility side that you know certainly the pandemic and the way that candidates expectations have changed has put pressure on employers to offer either fully remote or hybrid work options, which Campminder does. So we have responded in that way and we are offering those kinds of, of flexibility.
0: I want to dive a little bit deeper into the theme of belonging. You mentioned that as, as being one of the key ways to to retain the top talent. Right. What have you seen? What are, yeah, is there a framework? Do you train your managers to do virtual events? Like, you know, specifically now that you have more and more people work remotely or in a hybrid environment, like, how do you create that feeling of belonging?
1: Yeah, well, that's a great question. And, you know, certainly Miner and many other companies are investing heavily in diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. And I think that that is at the foundation of creating a sense of belonging. You have to do that work. You have to look at, are your processes and systems equitable? Is your culture inclusive? Are you creating a diverse team and engaging with diverse ideas, viewpoints, and all of those things? So that's at the foundation. But you know, to feel a sense of belonging, is it's more of a sentiment. And it has to do with feeling seen and respected for who you are. And so it's not about fitting in, it's not about acclimating to the status quo, it's actually about being yourself and being valued as yourself. And so we do do trainings with managers, we do, you know, in our, our people operations team, we work with managers, and a lot of it comes in sort of not so much a belonging specific training, but in situations that arise. We coach managers to really listen, to understand what's happening for people, understand what's happening for them, not only at work, but in their lives outside of work, to have conversations that show the person, the whole person is valued, to acknowledge their viewpoints, make sure that they feel fully heard and respected in situations, whatever whatever it might be. So I think it's more about creating that culture and environment than it is about saying here's specific belonging tactics because it's really it's really that holistic sort of approach that allows people to to feel a sense of belonging.
0: You mentioned diversity and inclusion as is one of the, the important aspects here. You know, for for, for companies that might not have the, the resources of a Fortune 500 company, right? Whether it's small medium sized company or the mid-market, how would you think about implementing a strategy there? Maybe if you don't have all the resources in place, what what can be tactically be done right in order to make an impact and change?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. We certainly don't have the resources of a Fortune 500 company. You know, We're a 70-person company and we don't have a dedicated I team, but you know, I can share a few of the things that have worked for us in the ways that we've invested in this in, in what I think are very meaningful ways. One of my top recommendations would actually be to read a book called Authentic Diversity by Michelle Silverthorne she tackles this head on and she offers a playbook for companies of all sizes of all different you know resource levels to to tackle diversity equity and inclusion in an authentic way for lasting and sustainable change and so we've really followed her playbook in many ways one of the key things is to assemble your team and we've put together a diversity equity and inclusion task force it's made up of folks from across the company all departments all teams are represented and it's a group of people that's committed to advancing diversity equity and inclusion at camp minder we specifically said hey there is a time commitment with this it's real it's real work it's not just you know kind of an extracurricular it is going to take real work it's going to take real effort we're going to be working on projects and tasks to move things forward and so we got we got the buy in we got the commitment of those folks and we have undertaken several meaningful projects so far, including revamping our vendor selection policy to be more inclusive, looking at our hiring practices. We've implemented some inclusive training across the organization. So in our last two all-hands meetings, we implemented some inclusive language training, as well as some training on how to have inclusive meetings, among many other smaller projects. So that's been really effective for us to gather a team of people who are you know very committed very engaged with this and then to leverage that commitment and enthusiasm to get things done
0: yeah, th- thanks a lot for the for the framework right and then also the book recommendation which kind of leads me into my next question you know as as one of the leaders here in, in the industry and, and and you're so well connected and always about new things what are some resources that you would recommend uh, or our audience right whereas certain books, certain conferences you go to, podcasts you're subscribing to, where are you getting new trends and information from?
1: Yeah, great questions. So I like to point people toward a couple of companies. There's Culture Amp, which I, I look to as a thought leader, especially in the realm of diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging, but also engagement more generally. They have a fantastic blog. I also look to Lattice, which similarly has a really excellent blog. They run, they're a software company and they're actually what we use for our performance management software, but they have some really great thought leadership around performance management and engagement more generally i mentioned the book authentic diversity by michelle silverthorne that's a that's a wonderful resource i really appreciate to michelle mijong kim's writing she has a blog i believe her blog is called awaken and she also just wrote a book which i'll have to look up the name to tell you but give me one second her book is called the wake up closing the gap between good intentions and real change. I really like Adam Grant's podcast. He has a podcast called Work Life, and he dives into all kinds Mm of interesting topics. I also like Brene Brown's Dare to Lead pod. She always has amazing guests and amazing conversations. So those are some of my favorite resources.
0: Lots of good resources here. Thanks for sharing those. If somebody wants to dive into one of those topics with you a little deeper and network and whatnot, what's the best way to connect to you, with you personally?
1: Yeah, the best way to reach me is probably through LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. And so you can find me, my name is Annalise A-N-A-L-I-E-S-E, my last name is Brown. B-R-O-W-N, and I would love to hear from
0: you. Awesome, well, Anandise, thank you so much for, for being on the show today. It was a pleasure.
1: Yes, it was my pleasure. So thank you so much, Andreas, for having me. I appreciate it. This podcast is sponsored by ThrivePass, a trusted HR partner for innovative benefits technology. From lifestyle spending accounts, to pre-tax, to COBRA administration, ThrivePass has you covered. We personalize benefits, You thrive as the employer of choice. More at ThrivePass.com.